Matthew's Gospel 28. Like I said, we are just, um, like I said, adding facts to our earlier teachings um, that were done by some of our pastors on the leading of the Spirit, and I believe what we are teaching presently in our cell meetings. Matthew's Gospel 28. I'm going to read verse uh, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority shall spare is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even not the end of the world. And they said, Amen. And we've said this with emphasis that this is like a vision statement, a mission statement for all the followers of Christ. It's like the mission statement of all the followers of Christ. And we have a mission. Say, I have a mission. I remember years back then, Jesus, I used to see the phrase and I liked it. Uh, Christ Embassy, that was Believer's Love World, giving your life a meaning. And that means something that your life has a meaning, really. Hallelujah. <laughs> you have a, a reason. Uh, a direction. You know, in secondary school, we used to call some people NFA. You know about them? Huh? No future ambition. <laughs> and they, they are just right there, just no future ambition. And then we have some guys who said, no future at all. No focus. <laughs> just there, you know. They just take life as it comes daily. No vision. And you must know, who am I? What am I doing? I told you, um, the sin problem uh, doesn't just solve the relationship problem with God. It also deals with an identity crisis that is with humanity. Identity, sin, and the practice of sin is an identity crisis. So, the, the walk of the cross through to the grave and then... Um, from the resurrection. And that's why we have the Spirit. The Spirit is given to us to give us an identity. So, th- that's why I tell people, when you're born again, and then your ambitions remain the same. The ambitions you had before you got born again remain the same. Now, I used to be tough on this, but I have amended it a little bit. I'll doubt whether you were saved. Because there has to be a change of focus. That's a new birth. The new birth. There has to be a change of focus. I, I'm not doing today what I wanted to do before I got saved. My focus has changed. It's not even the same before I found direction in God's word. It, there has to be a change of direction. So there's an identity that has been resolved. Hallelujah. Now we have a mission. Hallelujah. We have a mission. And this mission, it dictates everything I do. It, 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 takes, it takes the kind of people that are my close friends. dictates who you get married to, who I get married to, who is my close ally. It dictates everything. I was talking to a relative that got born again before I was born. And she got married to a Muslim. So I, I asked her, I said, ah, what were you thinking? She said, well... We didn't have the today's enlightenment. Enlightenment? No. 
kind of a language you need to get? You know? I said, no, you, you should, you, you have a new idea. You are now a new creature in Christ. And the person you got married to is called in the Bible a son of darkness. That's what, that's, I, I believe the Bible. What about you? You believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible when the Bible talks about devils? You believe it? The devil? Satan? Okay, good. Unbelievers? Those who are opponents of God. Those who oppose God. Someone said, well, um, there was a guy who said, uh, do not make someone your enemy who is another person's enemy. That, uh, that uh, don't become an enemy of somebody who you don't know what happened. So I said, the Bible says, friendship with the world. <laughs> Ah, that's God. <laughs> Friendship with the world, James 4, 4, is a meeting with God. Don't say, God, I don't know why the world is your enemy, but it's not my business. You know, you don't do that. You, you must know that God's mission gives you a direction in your life. Hallelujah. When I was in the University, absolutely university actually, but when I was in my, was it fourth degree they call it? Amen. I'm still a student. And I have to change it so that I don't graduate too far. Because if you keep saying when I was a student and you're a student, you know, you have what you say. <laughs> so I've changed it now that I have, when I was in the, the university the first time. So that, you, just, you know, you just discover that your scripts are missing. <laughs> because you kept saying when I was so you are graduated before graduation so you, <laughs> you know I said that before I started doing the postgraduate course so now then they said what, what do you want to do in the next five years and some people just were excited I want to do this and writing, I'm going to own this one I'm going to run, own a law, chain, law firm I'm going to do this one I'm going to do that I'm just, I said what I've been doing before I'm going to be preaching the gospel and yeah, so I said ah the guy was a printer who was printing, he said, ah, Pastor Shex, this is very dry. He said, I know. My life is dry. One single ambition. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so the gospel gives your life a meaning. Is that clear? Not just to believe it, but now a focus, a direction. Mark's Gospel 16, we're there the other time, and 15, says, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. You can't know this and not be happy. The reason why many believers are not happy that I know is because they are not getting a mission from the world. They, they, maybe they, 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 they reduce their salaries. They did that. They reduce their salaries. I was talking to someone, a very influential person in society, Africa, and he said, do you know that, I don't want to give out too much information, but he said, do you know that I, I feel very empty? He said, the, the, there was, there's always a void. People will do everything for you. He said, what people are looking for, I now have it. 
void. Except for Jesus. Hallelujah. But for Jesus. Someone told me one time, say, that's him. Let me get what he has first. You are stupid. That's a stupid person. No reason like that. Sometimes, you know, we get, we get the world. I was saying something today, a Christian saying, I just want to go and clear my head. What does that mean? You have been watching movies. Clear your head. What's in your head? What to clear your head? You remove your brain. The Bible doesn't say clear your head. It says renew your mind. Right? Huh? Clear your head is movies. You watch it for Netflix, uh, Ibaka TV, Iroko TV, African Magic Yoba, Igbo English. You know, those things have a way of giving you new values. I want to go and clear my head. Christian. So how do you want to do it? You want a Budweiser? Is that me? That's how to clear your head now. You just find your way around one of these uh, clubs, something, something. But don't go too late, too early. Go like 10. You see people that are clearing their heads there. There are many. <laughs> so you go and clear your head properly. You take the thing and you go, ah, right hand out, ah. That's, That's how to clear your head. <laughs> so, by that you wake up in the morning, your head is as full. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've seen somebody who told me that he was so depressed. And he had to go and smoke. I just want to, I just had to take a stick. What? So what now happened after? Say so I was worse. <laughs> when people create, they create something. They say, they say warning. They put their warning. Cigarette smokers are liable to die young. They have not told you everything. <laughs> warning. And that's how you are clearing your head. Which verse were we? Mark 16, 6, 17. This is right for them that believe in my name. They are cast out devils. They are speak with new tongues. They are take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, they are not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And the sick, the sick shall recover. So the other Lord has spoken unto them, but we are in heaven. The Lord walking with and confirming the word with signs following. We have a mission, amen. That is a vision for our life. You don't have to hear a voice. I told you that before. This is the vision of God for your life. No matter what you are doing. That's why it becomes dangerous when Christians are saying things like, my ministry is my career. Where did you clear your head? That can't be your career now. That can't be your ministry. Your career cannot be your ministry. Your career can be a platform for ministry. It can be. It should be. But your career is not your ministry. Your career gives you opportunities. Right? Education. Important information. We're going to look at that shortly. But it's not your ministry. Your ministry is a message of the cross of Jesus Christ. To preach it, to teach it, and to live in that, inside of it. To live it. 
That's your ministry. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Luke's Gospel 24. And verse 25. And so them all fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, not not Christ, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And again at Moses and all the prophets, he expounds them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. We said that over and over again, that Jesus, his Bible, remains the Old Testament books, as we call them today. Like I said on Sunday, um, to reiterate it, that the dichotomy of using Old and New Testament may look harmless, but it becomes harmful because when we say Old and New in our thinking, one has passed, one is here. But nobody within the authors of Scripture referred to those books as Old and New. And that's why I was saying it to the class earlier today, that we will not have the tendency of just looking for prophecies that are suitable in the Old Testament and nice, nice statements and ignore the whole story. But the whole story is called God's Word. It's inspired by God to be written for our learning. Romans 15, 4. 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 says, According to those stories, Christ died for our sins, was buried and raised from the dead. Katatagraphas in the Greek, which means according to the stories, according to the narratives. In Luke 24 and 44, Jesus lets us know, in 44, He said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened it, the understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Again, the prophets, the law, the prophets, sorry, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, which is together what we call the Old Testament is God's word. John 20 and 19, or 21, sorry. Peace, Jesus said to them, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send are you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, we got to look at the word kingdom last week and the week before. That the word kingdom uh, really is what the gospel speaks about. The gospel is the word basah in the, in the Hebrew and the word hergelion. Um, in the Greek, it means to announce the kingdom. And then in John 3... Verse 3, Jesus says, except a man, Nicodemus comes and asks him a question. Um, what, um, the teacher come from God, no man doeth these miracles except God be with him. John 3, 2, Jesus answered and said in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born again. The word anothingenau, born again, or born from above, or better still, born from outside. Now the word again there is not twice as we use in English today's. Uh, the, the, the practical meaning of it is to be born above something, to be born, to be born beyond it. So Jesus makes uh, an allusion to a comparison between the earth and heaven. And, and that's the point. You know? And those are the two ways that we relate here. We have a heavenly and an earthly disposition to things. Born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, of course, Matthew doesn't use kingdom of God majorly. He uses kingdom of heaven. Why? Because Jews really don't use God's name that way. 
So they use um, some kind of epithets that replace who God is out of reverence and respect. So the kingdom of God is also the kingdom of heaven. So they'll, they'll talk about heaven, which describes God's, uh, I think in law we call it in situ, God, where God stays, right? The, way, the realm he functions from. So, where is the kingdom of God? Kingdom of heaven. Heaven is used to replace God by Matthew to show you respect and reverence. reverence. So, where we mention heaven, it's where God dwells. It's not the end of the world or where the dead go to alone. Let me just leave that that way. So, kingdom of God will be, again, kingdom of heaven. Or we can put it like this, in the spirit. In the spirit. So you can use heaven in that statement. You can use God. Are you following this? You can also use spirit. And I'll follow the next statement. Then Nicodemus then asks Jesus, Can a man when he's old, enter into his mother's womb to be born a second time? Then Jesus answered again and said to him in verse 5, Except a man is born of water. Okay? Water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. First, he cannot see the third, the second one, he cannot enter. Eisekomai. Now that has two things bringing together in the same statement. The Ezekiel prophecy, Ezekiel 36, 25. I'll say, I'll sprinkle clean water upon you. I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols and you shall be clean. And Jesus uses that same phrase in John 15, 3. You are clean by the words that I spoke to you. In John 13, he said, all of you are clean except one of you. Okay? So, Ezekiel 36 and 25 is talking about the walk of the Messiah. 26, a new heart will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I'll take you soon out of your flesh, I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, 27, and cause you to walk in my statutes and in my judgments, you shall keep them. Okay? So, Jesus is therefore echoing the prophets, and at the same time, the psalmist. The earth and the Lord is the fullness thereof the world and those that dwell in. Who shall ascend to the holy hill of God? Who shall stand in his holy place? Who has cleansed his hands? Etc. Etc. Then he says, uh, uh, Who shall uh, lift up your head, O ye gates, be everlasting doors, and let the king of glory come in. So here he's talking about a kingdom coming. The king of glory there refers to God. So which means the kingdom of God is the fulfillment of that Psalm 24. Together with Ezekiel 26, 36, sorry, verse 25 to 27, which by the time you read Ezekiel 37, you see the narrative there. Uh, so the man can his dry bones leave. He says, oh, you know. Then he says, prophesy. When you prophesy, uh, then I put my spirit within you. And then he talks about the great army. Then in verse 9, Ezekiel 37 says, prophesy, call for the wind and breathe into the word rakaf. Same in Genesis 2 verse 7. To cause breath to enter. All of them is talking about kingdom. So when Jesus says to enter into the kingdom, he is saying to us that all the prophecies of God's kingdom from the Old Testament, that the way to be in it is by being born of the Spirit. So in 36, uh, sorry, verse 6, John 3, except that, uh, uh, that, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the heaven and earth narrative. Humans, and the heavenlies. 
My fellow Nuri, I say you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listed, you hear the sound. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going to. So it's everyone that is born of the Spirit. Because that's verse 8. Now if it goes on, Nicodemus begins to ask. Then Jesus says, ah, are you a ruler of the Jews? You don't know these things. I speak unto you of earthly things. What about talk about the heavenly things? Then he says, no man, verse 13, I'll say that to heaven. But the Son of Man which is in heaven, showing you the narrative of kingdom of God, heaven and spirit are one and the same. As Moses, verse 14, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believes in him should not perish, but has everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but has everlasting life. So the gospel, right, is about being born again into a life of the Spirit, which is a life of the kingdom. The life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit. So, which means that as we are, we are in a kingdom that is by the Spirit. Paul in Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led... I go, showed you that the other day. I go, to, to be led by the Spirit. That's a word that brings in many Old Testament phrases. To bear, to guide, to, to, to deliver, to save, to give, it, uh, to, to deliver, to save, to guide, to give an inheritance. All of that are in that singular statement. Shall not, I mean, uh, as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And so we are sons of God today. By the Spirit. Now we're looking at the sanctified common sense. The sanctified common sense. Which we said that in the new bath, right, God, now there's this thinking that, and I know you must have heard that, I've debunked that for you over the years. You're born again, your spirit is saved, your mind is left like that of the devil. Your body has sin or something like that. And that's not true. It's not true. Because the new birth involves your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4 precisely. Paul says, if our gospel be hid, is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, which means that your mind was involved in salvation. That's why we preach the gospel, we're said to fight a spiritual warfare. Second Corinthians 10, 3, though we walk in the flesh, we don't walk after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down of every imagination. Things of the mind. That happens in the new birth. Same way that you, uh, you read Paul talked about the Gentiles, that's the non-Christians. He says they, they have the blindness in their heart and in their minds. So the new birth purifies you. First Peter 1 Peter 1.22 says he has purified our spirits. Our souls, pardon me. First Peter 1.22 We're purified. Let me read that text properly. 
First Peter 1.22 Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfailing love of the brethren that you love one another with a pure half family. So we, our beings have been purified. So your mind, yes, careful now, your mind has been purified by God. Right? So it's time to use that purified mind. So in Romans 12, verse 2, where it says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are you supposed to do that for? That you may prove that which is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, your mind has been purified so that it can be renewed. Your body is a temple of God, which is above the price. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Now, of course, the body there, the temple of God there, is your union with God, which includes your physical body. Of course, that's your union with God, really, literally, really. But that union, in 1 Corinthians 6.15, Paul lets you know it includes your physical body. So that union is you, the whole of you, in Christ. It's bought with a price. So, you can't say, well, it's my body, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm fighting my body. No, no, your body is the temple of God. Hallelujah. Right? Your mind is purified. Your mind, right, is the door, was the door. It was through your mind that you believed the gospel. You couldn't have believed the gospel without your mind. So your mind is a believing mind. So right now, Pay attention. The, 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 the salvation of your life, your soul, did not remove your education. You didn't get born again, then you started calling your nose your eyes because you are not a new creature. Of course not. So you have a sanctified mind. Say, I have a sanctified mind. Sanctified simply means set apart for God. The Old Testament words, Kodesh and Kodesh, Kodesh, yeah? Uh, and then the New Testament words, Agios or Agion, simply means set apart. Set apart. Leviticus 11.44, Be ye holy for the I, the Lord your God, is holy. Alright? Which is be separate, be different. Be different. So, my mind, therefore, is used for things that are different. Everything about me is holy unto God. Which means the way I speak, the way I use my words, and all of that. So my mind is sanctified. See, my mind is sanctified. Simply means set apart. Doesn't mean uh, your mind is born again or something like that. For example, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about when an unsaved woman, who is, uh, sorry, in a marriage where the, the man is saved, the woman is unsaved, he says, the spouse is sanctified by the other spouse. Doesn't mean saved. Just means treated differently. Set apart. And one of the ways you know that the spouse is sanctified is that the kind of, the kind of instructions that rule the same spouse in that marriage is different from that of the world. So that means that that marriage is sanctified. It doesn't mean the guy is born again or is a child of God. Simply means that because of you being in that... Now, this is not... To inspire you to go and marry a non-believer. 
Rather, he's saying that if you found yourself saved and your spouse is not saved. Now, some people believe, and it, it's a bit like that. Uh, I saw a few things that uh, attend to that, including the syntax of the words and then the use of grammar, that Paul really was alluding to himself. That it's very likely that Paul, because the Pharisee, was married to an unsaved person, of course, before he got saved, and then he just used that example. If she person, if person leaves, you are not under bondage. Interestingly, Paul was not under bondage, but he did not take the liberty. So he now says, well, if you decide to be married, you are not, not seen, but to abide is better. So it's, uh, it appears from the arrangement of words and the use of grammar that he used himself as that example. Anyway, the point really is, you are born again, now you got saved. You, somebody approached me, uh, was it 2016? And I said, you know, my spouse is uh, not saved and all that. I said, well, the truth is, it's not enough reason to leave the marriage. So why? Because uh, you're, it, it's not a premarital decision. It's a marital decision. It's a premarital decision if the marriage was 24 hours. Oh, don't let me say anything again. I don't want to be misquoted. Okay, I'll say it. If it's 24 hours, you can say no. Because you're born again. Did you know you were born again before? I did not know. But if you are married, then it's not a basis. Or it's married, then you got born again, and here you go. Paul says, if the spouse is willing to stay with you, then you shall abide. But if the spouse is not willing, he says you're not under bondage. And why is he asking, giving you those instructions? Because that marriage, because you are in it, or you got born again in it, I meant, is sanctified. Treated differently. So, sanctified simply means to treat differently. So, when I said, your mind is sanctified, it means it should be treated how? Differently. So, we began to look at that, sanctified common sense. So, getting born again does not remove the use of common sense. It just changes how you use it. It doesn't remove it. It doesn't, uh, because now that we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God and the inward witness, some people will just be totally, um, you know, I know we, 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 we love holding on to one extreme against the other. Particularly when we have found new truth. I had a class just a few hours ago and I, and I showed them something that, you know, it, did, it doesn't have to be either or. Sometimes it's like either or. No, it doesn't have to be either, either or, I meant. It's, you can have the, the same thing. I instructed by God's word. So, to so find out how each explains the other. I was saying that to them in the class. So, it's not either or. Just like divine healing. You know. And, 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 and so, someone, um, well, he is, is an academician from Sri Lanka. Spoke to me on Tuesday, Monday, today's Wednesday. And he said that he listened to the series on the healing school. And what was said about healing? He said it was so practical. So, was it yesterday actually. It was, was so practical that he felt comfortable. And that's the second person that was saying in the same week. That get so comfortable believing God and 
using medication. And I said, there was really nothing anti-faith about using medication. And, then I, I, and I said the story of Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin. The people, nobody talked about Kenneth Hagin. He believed God. He had the heart disease and all that. And I, and I said to the man, gentleman, the elderly man too, and I said, you know, Brother Hagin, when he believed God to be healed, 1934, when he believed God to be healed, you know, he was sick in 1933-34, when he was on the deathbed, I said, he was on his medication when he was believing God for the healing. He said, wow. I said, he said it. He wrote it. You just did not want to read that part. He said, wow. Oh, yeah. That's why many of the healing schools, he would say, I've not said you should go off your medication except you are led by God. And I told someone, I said, you know, <laughs> we're somewhere, and uh, someone said, I don't believe there's COVID-19. It doesn't exist. And I didn't argue. I don't believe it exists. But when we call the healing line, in the same place, it was full. This doesn't exist. That's rubbish. That's crap. How can you claim a sickness doesn't exist and then you are having a healing meeting? It's just like, a, was it a Lillian B. Yeomans that said some folks were saying, um, they'll, they'll call you Christian Science, this sickness does not exist. You just sit down, then you meditate. So they will do sessions for you where you, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It doesn't, then you pay for the sessions. There you go. So one day a little bit, your man says she got there. Then, when she went through the process, this is going to say, yeah. So after the one hour, she said, this money doesn't exist. Look at it very well. <laughs> it does not exist. It does not exist. It does not. Come on, give up. No, no, no. It's about meditation that does not exist. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. So you don't do that, you know. And that's it. We always have an either or. Either or. You know, either or. And they work together. Pastor Hagen, Pastor W. Hagen. Uh, uh, is not Pastor Hagen Jr. He's uh, 82. You can put Jr. behind someone that's 82. <laughs> Your life needs prayers. <laughs> he said, God wants the natural and the supernatural to combine. You get it? Someone told me, said, are you saying that I should not pray for my needs? I said, you pray to God for your needs I get up on Monday morning to beat them. You combine it. Praise the Lord. So, sanctified common sense means I now use my mind in a different way. Not that I don't use my mind at all. So, last week, 1 Corinthians 7, hope you didn't forget that. 
First Corinthians 7. Are you there? I told last week when someone said, well, Pastor, I'm praying, you know. And we tried to, uh, I'm praying about um, which country to go. As I looked at this list, there's no Sudan. There's no prayer. I mean led. Led where? Relax. You don't need leading to go to a place of comfort. Ask Lot. It's comfortable already now. Don't come and tell me that. Hallelujah. Most of the time when... Okay, let me leave that one because it won't cause trouble. <laughs> so, opportunities are meant to be taken. First Corinthians 7. Remember that? Opportunities are meant to be taken. A business opportunity comes. And you find... Uh, it's just like the way we... The Christians do when it comes to politics. I was a... A few years ago, I think it was a 14 years ago. So No, no, up, not up to that. I had this group of Christians that were talking. They said, ah, uh, come around us, you know, we'll do... I said, okay, because they knew that I was involved in politics. So I said, okay, so what's the plan? He now said, <laughs> that we'll be doing fasting and prayer. Uh, is it WCC? Is it sport? He said, I know. And then they said, oh no, that the, the way God gave them a word, they were going to become the government of a particular state and all that. And I said, no. That's not how it is done. It's like football. Nigeria will pray before the game. I will lose. Have you noticed that your clubs don't pray? <laughs> they don't pray. Oh. They will play f- good football. Good strategy, good tactics. Usually, you know that they will show you their shirt when they have scored. I love Jesus. But you know, many of them won't show you because they lost the game. You get it? So it's just per chance if we win, I'll show you my chest. So I'll wear it in hope. So that's the reason why that guy is a I remember that a boxer like that, the one is all ah, the anointing was upon him. The next time, when they beat him, <laughs> the anointing was knocked down. <laughs> they don't pray. They simply go, they say, you know what? Imagine you're in the club and the, uh, the, the coach says, did you see Ronaldo or Messi? Those ones are, they are two gods. You see? Or you say you don't want to deceive somebody. Then if you don't want to deceive somebody, then you cannot dribble. <laughs> That's deception now. You <laughs> say, no, I can't do that. No. Let, brother, this is what I'm playing. <laughs> you cannot do that. You can't do that. Right? You can't do that. So, I said, I told them, I said, this is politics. I said, no, this is the direction we have. Okay? So, they were meeting and praying. I said, have you gone to the market women? Have you gone to the area? But I don't know. That, have you gone to any godfather? I said, no, no, no. God told them that he's their godfather. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, Yoruba say that uh, when a child doesn't know something, he calls it vegetable. I didn't mention it. Though. When the primaries came, primaries, the primaries, what you do in the past? <laughs> Our another kindness calls you. <laughs> Zero. Like a friend of mine told me, he said, he didn't know mathematics. He said, he was so bad in mathematics, they gave him the expo. He said, <laughs> he said, Shago, I'm done for. He was not a Christian. They said, I, I got the expo. I don't know what I was writing. <laughs> so I told them, I said, you, don't, you can pray. But that prayer is part of your work. <laughs> in politics, you have to go out. Just like marketing. Just like your, I mean, Somebody wants to be a, you're a good surgeon. You say, I'm just going to fall a little of his prayer. You say, take the uh, textbooks. No. I want you textbooks. It's God that created the human body. He'll tell me how to go around it. Even Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> you have to learn that. So, there is your... God, and, and I'll put it there, God leads you also by common sense. So we always like to, you know, do either or. Either or. Either or. It's not either or. You can have both. Working concurrently. Just know which one is top priority, alright? That's what you, you, that's sanctified common sense. Sometimes when it comes to divine healing and sickness and disease, sometimes a guy is believing God and releasing confessions of faith. And then he's is destroying all the laws of nature that God Himself put in place. So, how your body is arranged is a law. Even Paul says the eye cannot do the do the job of the nose. They know by the power of the Holy Ghost, my eye will begin to breathe, my nose will begin to speak. That's sickness. So, which means that there are laws of nature that you need to realize. Hallelujah. I was preaching somewhere one day and I wore a jacket. Because I'm used to dropping my jacket, I lent it from uh, uh, Reverend Victor Adeyemi then, then uh, Pastor Chris. And somebody else, there are three. Anytime they preach, they remove their suits. So I didn't know that I was not in Nigeria. It was one of my first trips outside the country there. So as I removed the jacket, hey! Hey! So for, for, for two minutes I was praying, so I said, I'm not cool, I'm not cool. <laughs> I'm, sure, sure, sure. I'm sure they thought that it was the Holy Ghost. You know, we're charismatic, so in, anything you are the way I'm speaking in tongues, you say, ah, 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 So the Holy Ghost moved, I said, ah, I, 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 I now thought about it. I said, Lord, what do I do? So I said, you know, Luke 24, 49. You shall be endured. But I said, that was endured. It means to be clothed upon, to wear upon. I said, give me the jacket again. <laughs> Roman, Roman, oh. Roman, two, 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 two. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's just simple. You should wear your jacket. Oh, oh, is that going on here? <laughs> It's very simple. You wear your jacket. When you see your weight, even Hebrews 12 says, laying aside every weight 
Wait. I don't see your weight. IWCC. You begin to struggle. Some people struggle, some people struggle. <laughs> it is not the prayer. It's your weight. It's your weight. When you discover that you're coming down the stairs, <laughs> there is somebody older than you, maybe in the 70s, coming down like this and say, Ah, that's God talking to you. That's God talking to you. Is your weight. Hallelujah. If you listen well to the Holy Ghost, you say, shed, shed. Shed, shed, shed. And you know all this fanciful uh, jogging. There's fanciful jogging. You finish jogging. <laughs> <laughs> then the earth is in your stomach and the fullness thereof. <laughs> Why in the world? <laughs> you know, there are some things that are just sanctified common sense. But again, some people, when they hear this one, they will now ignore God's word. They just say, common sense alone. That's the thing. It's not either or. Do you get it? No. It is the supernatural and the natural. Is that clear? If we're planning for a Holy Ghost meeting, you can, for example, plan for a Holy Ghost meeting and we're planning for a convention and we're just praying and we are praying and we are saying, Lord, your spirit won't flow and your spirit won't move and we don't get the venue. We don't agree for anything. We just say, Lord, you will appear that day. He will do his part. You will move, oh God. Oh God. You And you pray. There was a brother like that. He was going to organize a meeting and um, you should know the story I want to talk about. I think about 23 years ago. So I was a guest speaker in the meeting. He tried to get the venue. The, the, they opposed his venue arrangements. So I have to get another venue. So when the meeting was about to... Uh, I said, what, what are you preaching? Called it the Believers Meeting, Holy Ghost Meeting. He said, the Holy Spirit said he should teach on angels. I said, Angels? In a meeting of three hours, I'm not sure the Holy Ghost can see that because I'm going to preach, you are going to preach, we are going to pray. In a Holy Ghost meeting, the emphasis cannot be such a strong doctrine. So that's what the Holy Spirit told me. I didn't need to hear the Holy Spirit. Enough experience told me you can't do that kind of teaching. So good for him two or three days before he said, the Holy Spirit now says he's talking about science and wonders. That's close. So the day of the meeting, I said, where is he? He is locked up somewhere. It's his first major meeting. He's locked up somewhere. He's praying. Praying. Today is the meeting day. He's praying. Praying. So I go to the venue of the meeting. The door was locked and he's praying. I said, Wally, Wally, come, come, come. We got people to clean the place up. So I said, where are the equipment? He said, the sound equipment. Uh, your brother was supposed to bring it. Boy, I don't even know what brother that was. Ah, I arranged for that. Quickly, we set up the place. I got people to clean the place. They got ready the meeting for the Holy Ghost. So he came to see things met. I'm sure that I said, oh, I prayed it out. <laughs> so I got the ushers to arrange. I, I think I need to talk about you. 
you must have been part of the organizers and you were not part. Yeah, she was part of the organizers. And she didn't show up. I cleaned the place. I've never said this to you before. Oh my God. I've never said this to you before. Because you were part of the organizers. Because she showed up when the meeting was already on. She said, They were waiting for God. But I knew that God would be at the door as we all are at the door. <laughs> God would say, where is the usher? <laughs> so I, got, I had to arrange it for them. You just pray, oh God, oh God. Look, come, you know, we are not in Jerusalem where you can use temple. We have to get it, please. Yeah. So you are, even for Christian meetings, for a church. You can't be in Nigeria and planning for a meeting and you forgot power. Maybe you came from the abroad to come and do ministry in Nigeria. Say, didn't the Holy Spirit tell you? <laughs> the Holy Spirit should have told you this. Oh, you have to get not one gen. <laughs> one gen can mess Holy Spirit up. <laughs> you have to have two gen, three. Eh? Oh yes. So it's not either or. Is that clear? When it comes to the work of the ministry, it's the same thing. Sanctified common sense is required. In 1 Corinthians 7.21, Paul says, If thou mayest be made free, if you have the ability to be free, Paul says you should use it. Rather, the word kraumai, we'll see it in a moment, to use it. To use what you have. Say, I use what I have. Use what you have. You've got good skills, use it. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You've got, use what you have. Paul says you use it. Now, look, notice something. That word karma, I spell it for you. C-H-R-A-O-M-A-I. It means to take advantage. Now, I'm going to roll you through some text to see how the Christian life is. The same Paul, who says here, now, i just show you one text where that word is used, called my, uh, Acts 27 and 17. They use helps. That's the word. They use helps to use something for your advantage. They use helps. Hallelujah. They use helps. For your advantage. Pay attention here. Now in 1 Corinthians 7, 31, Paul, the same word. They that use this world, same word, Carmi, they that have the advantage of this world, not as abusing it. That means, he says, for the fashion of the world passes away, but I have you with care, without carefulness. I would have you without carefulness. That is, Paul is saying, yes, you have the advantage, but be careful with it. Use what you have, but be conservative. 
Now, here Paul is dealing with following vogues. And I've said it before. A Christian must be careful of trends. Things that are trendy. Naturally, when things are trending or trendy, a Christian should just pause. Okay? It doesn't mean you should not use the things of this world. Or what I mean by that is um, while people have, I mean, fashion has evolved, you are still using eyeshadow or what? I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure I said rubbish. But you are using, you know, uh, 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 I don't know. Is it, is it, is it, Rubber, you know, you, you can move on from that. You get it? You just change it, you know. You, you, you should, you know, yeah. Amen. I don't know what to say. Just want to say something that I've been misquoted, you know. But the point is, you know, follow. Be careful of trends, you know. But use what you have. Yet in First Corinthians nine and twelve, Paul says we have the power. First Corinthians nine twelve over you, but we have not used the power. Conservatism. In verse fifteen, it says again. I've used none of these things. So, in as much as we as believers, we should take advantage of opportunities like we said, yet we should be led by the Spirit still. Be conservative. In 1 Corinthians 1, 8, it talks about using the law lawfully. In uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 17, sorry I missed that. 2 Corinthians 1, 17, Paul <clears throat> says there, when I was therefore was thus my did I use lightness? I didn't take advantage of it. In Second Corinthians thirteen and verse ten. He says I would use sharpness. He said okay, I write these things being absent, less being present, I should use sharpness. The Paul says, No, I didn't do that. But the first Timothy five twenty three, which we are going to look at shortly as well. 1 Timothy 5.23 Paul says, Hey, drink no longer water only, that's Greek actually, but use or take advantage of a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy orphan infirmities. He's not talking about the stomach being healed. No, this is just common sense. Use it. So which means we must take advantage of things that are useful around us. So the question should be, what is necessary? What is necessary? James 3 and 10, yeah, I believe, yeah. James 3 and 10. Just keep that somewhere. <clears throat> James 3 and 10. And James 3, 13 and 14. I'll pick on it later. So, now, the, the word here, use, is from the Greek word Christ. C-H-R-E, the word my. It means what is necessary. What is necessary. So, there are things that are necessary. So, you must have to, the leading of the Spirit, natural Common sense, however sanctified. God will not teach you common sense. 
He has given you the capacity to have that. He has given you the capacity and all your advantages in life, all the things that you come to know by knowledge, information, should equally be used. I remember years back, I had been totally exhausted in preaching. I mean, totally exhausted. So, I just fell, boom, bam, and went flat out. So, we went to a doctor. The doctor told me, he said, well, the way I'm seeing, he said, you are not sick, nothing wrong with you. He said, your body just shut down. So, I said, sir, I have the program here. He looked at me. He let me finish my story. He said, young man, if you step out of the house and go for those programs, that will be your last program. I just felt God was talking to me. That's how I saw it. So, amen. So I obeyed. I obeyed common sense. I did. Common sense. You obey common sense. Zachariah used common sense. God just told him he's going to have a child. Just like Abraham. If Sarah said, oh, it's a cease for me, after the man of women, even my Lord as well. That means they were not sexually active. But you know, part of their faith was they had sex. Because if they believed God without sex, their faith will be promissory. It's for the new Jerusalem. They had to, the way to use their faith is to have sex. That is to have to use. God won't tell you what to do to have children. You should know that one. And so you go and meet your wife. Kiss her first. That's not an instruction from the Spirit of God. That's something God has led you already. Common sense. When Zachariah said, you're going to have a child. Even though the man couldn't speak, he knew what to do. He, you, know, he, you know, he must have left the temple. He says, oh God, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the Messiah. No, he goes on. In a new sign language. What a couple they must have been. They knew how to transmit romantic sign language. <laughs> you get it? That's just what it is. Amen. Is it? If you are really led by God, you should know what to do. No, God, God's not going to tell you that. When the angels struck Peter and said, get up. Wear your clothes. You just find clothes on you by the Holy Ghost. Or you have to move. What do I mean? Ah. It means wrong. That's common sense. You woke up and you saw the prison doors open. And you're asking God. Okay, take selfie. <laughs> you don't know what to do. <laughs> So, common sense is a leading of the Spirit. You know, checking climate condition is not doubt. Checking climate condition is doubt. So you find out, you, if you're a farmer, I one, I check climate conditions. I check predictions. You check, you don't say, no. what I declare. The point thing about it, as you are declaring that there shall be rain, so brother, I say, we stop the rain for our crusade. <laughs> Is that not it? 
So brethren are having interbrethren war. So you, you must therefore find out. There's discretion. Just like Joseph, the smart guy. You know, he didn't expose Mary. I told you that. Hey, if there's anyone, see, when you see anybody who likes social media drama, God has told you who not to marry. I'm saying my own. Social media drama. Some people, their whole life. They said somebody almost went mad two days ago. Went WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram. Ah! Ah! What is it? Ah! What are you going to do? Ah! 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 You know, it's going to take six months. Ah! 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 It was phones were working. Emails were working. Ah! <laughs> what kind of human being is that? Some people now, their husband is in the next room. They are doing WhatsApp. Are you hungry? <laughs> I, say, I am not. I'm going out. So bye bye. <laughs> So there's one mediator between husband and wife. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> You're going to have e children. <laughs> so you know, be careful. Somebody just somebody apologizes too much for. Ah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that twice a day, three times a day. Just that. That's the person's Kadara. <laughs> Kadara. <laughs> that is the predestination. Oh. Ah! I'm sorry. I should have, I know. I should have said, I should have said it. Ah! Some people like drama. Joseph wasn't like that. Use your common sense. Why are you telling these people about something that is not their business. God doesn't have to speak to you. You have enough sense that the people you are talking to have no business with what you are saying. So, use sanctified common sense. When Paul is going to escape in Acts 9, oh, they're coming after Paul. Did he say, what's the Lord telling us? Telling you what? They're coming to kill someone. What's the Lord telling us? They put him in basket and sent him away. No, we don't use basket. We don't know you know, God has his angels chat. When Jesus himself ran. You know, when God shows you, when, when Joseph was told that Herod was after baby Jesus, they knew what to do. It means run away. Don't say, uh, don't say, oh God, God has just showed us that they'll come after the baby Jesus. But you are the mighty God. <laughs> the great I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even the angels will be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so the point is, you must know that common sense is part of Christianity. When Paul says in Ephesians 4.28, if you stole, you steal no more, 
So when you have people who are dishonest living, I will just keep doing Bible study for them, Bible study for them. Mm -mm. He says, let them walk with their hands. Let them walk with their hands. There was a brother like that who wanted to go into evangelism for prostitutes. And I said, yeah, I've been in that, you know, for years. And, but I know something. You need to get them what to do. So I was just thinking that we'll run some classes. In more than classes, oh. We can get them walks. Yeah, pastor. Ah, we don't have um, capacity right now. Uh, even our church, we are even trying to get what to do. So all you need to do is to get organizations that take care of that part of what you are doing, right? So that you will not see sanctified people in Brotel. I know you don't get that. Just, just remove your mind what I just said. We know hear the lost song in a strange land. When Paul says, I walk with my hands, that I may minister to my knees. That's common sense. Walk with your hands. You're a young preacher, you just got into the ministry. God's led you to preach the gospel. You need money. You know you need money? Praise the Lord. And the good thing about money is that if you check the narrow notes, you don't, you don't find, you won't find any scripture on it. So it's a legal tender used in the earth. It follows earthly rules. Forget all those miracle money nonsense. All they talk about are chicken change that nobody's going to prosecute. It follows earthly rules. Earthly rules. So you walk with your hands that which is good. Paul writes those things consistently. So diligence is God's leading. Say diligence, diligence. is God's leading for me. Paul, Jesus, they taught diligence. Diligence is God's leading. You have to be diligent. You just started a business. You started a, you, got, you have to be diligent. You have a business you just started, uh, a small scale organization, whatever it is. You need to get knowledge about what it is. And that knowledge is not in the Bible. Get the requisite information. And there are people that got themselves trouble. There was a brother like that who told me he was going abroad and all that and all that and all that. And I sat him down and I said, okay. I'd waited for, he had been saying that, he had been listening, he had been saying that, he had been listening. I said, okay, sit down. How do you want to get the money? A question he has never answered before. He said, I was just believing God, I know. How do you want to get the money? They're going for a five-year program, and they're going to pay, because what they're paying is not faith. $15,000, $18,000, he said, I know. I'm just thinking that, um, I said, yo, if you're thinking about your father's house, if you sell that old house, it's just one session. That's if all your siblings walk in love. And you get all the money. And it's, at, it's not at, um, you know there's um, open market price? There's first sale. Because if you are quickly going to go abroad, it's first sale. So that's your first sale. So for the first time, you know, I was listening to the reality. I said, what I'm trying to say is that you cannot go abroad. You can go and preach when the time is right. But now, you can't. Okay. So, what's the next step? Uh, I said, go and take jump. That's practical. 
You know why? I can pay for that. And bread, <laughs> brethren around can pay. But no brethren around can pay for the abroad. You know, that's just common sense. Is that clear? Because such a thing, you just be believing God two years, three years, four years, five years. Then they'll start using his name for all those um, jump um, examples. I have brothers, they call Pentagon. You guys are slow. You know, <laughs> you know what Pentagon is? Okay, you remember Pentagon, that's what it means. So, oh, it took you a while to get that. I'm praying for you. <laughs> so, you, 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 you be realistic. Be realistic. A guy wants to get married, he says, Well, I, I'm not believing God. Where are you going to say we're believing God? Ah. Oh, what are you doing for a living? I'm believing God. You assume your father-in-law is God? <laughs> the moment you are led to marry a sister, and sister is led to marry you, common sense takes over. So what do we do? So we just be following the spirit. Are you planning an incarnation? <laughs> so diligence is taught in scripture. Ephesians 4, 28, Acts 20, 33, 35. 2 Thessalonians 3, it's all there. Paul teaches diligence. You have, diligence is part of life. It's part of the, it's part of God's character to get up in the morning and go to work. Can I have an amen? amen. I mean, it's just God's leading. Hard work is God's leading. Is that clear? I've seen people here before. I said, what are you doing here? I came to do my study group assignment. <laughs> I said, no, you are lazy. What are you doing for a living? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm into network marketing. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in that. I wasn't, I wasn't criticizing that. So if I into network marketing... Is this where the network is? <laughs> you are only lazy. I'm sure you have seen some testimonies of network marketers on the internet. Huh? I know all testimonies have the back end story. You don't know? Everybody speaks in Mosterion. You don't know. No data, no peace. So I said, go and do the network somewhere. There's no signal here. <laughs> Are you there? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Diligence. Who team? After we finish laying hands on you. Right? You used to have pass of frequent malaria. So we laid hands on you and the malaria left. And then you got home and you opened the door. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. <laughs> the next time you come, I will lay hands on you. So I'm going to pray for you and say, God, uh, Brother Hagin will say, put something in his head apart from water. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 
and 19. No, 9, sorry. If that also, so it also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Amplified version says that the guy who does not use everything in his endeavor to get well, right, is same with somebody who committed suicide. Use everything that you have. Everything. So it's important that you use all that you have. In Mark 5, when Jesus healed Jairus, raised Jairus' daughter, he said, give her food. Or else she'll go back to where she's coming from. That was the first thing. Look at, look at it now. It's Mark 5. God, she'll go back. When he taught them for four days, he gave them food. I'm not expecting you to think like that for convention. We'll tell you to go and eat food. Mark 5, 43. He charged them to go and commanded that something should be given out to eat. It was a command. Like, give her food now. I'm sure that when she was waiting for that, she was like this. Oh, don't do it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Food, 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 food immediately. Because you just go, just, just say, let the will of God be done. <laughs> Ask Wendy, are you learning something? When Uticus was raised, Acts 20. When he was come up again in verse 11, they broke bread and they gave him food to eat. That was the first thing they were all doing. Well, the guy, if the guy fell down, go! You know, you have bruises. So, yeah, food. That means they gave him room. Others were hearing the word, he was eating. So I won't fall down the second time. Are you following this? That's the leading of the Spirit. In Luke 14. Luke 14. That the ministry is led by the Spirit doesn't mean they should not plan. That the ministry is that you are led by the Spirit to get married to someone. It doesn't mean you should not plan. We get to places we, we travel, both within and outside the country. We plan. We sit down, we plan. How we go about it. What we plan. You plan. You have a budget. For a family, you should have a budget. A monthly budget. Don't say, we are holding on to the wings of faith. Yes. Hold on to the wings of faith with planning. Is not either or. I said that. Remember that? Is these and that, not these or that. There's a couple I told you. They're looking for children. They're, they're trying to get, have kids. But 
they did not know certain things about the cycle of the woman. I had to say, I go and ask. How in a few months they got children? They got a child. And they believe in God. Believing God doesn't negate common sense. Luke's Gospel 14. Just two texts I want to read there. Jesus, verse 28. He's talking about discipleship. So which of you that wants to build a tower, sits not down first? That means learn to sit down. What did I say? Look at verse 31. You are going to war. He repeats it. He learns to sit down. Think about this. Commitment to life and ministry involves counting the cost. Sit down. What is the cost of this ministry? What's this going to cost me? What's this going to cost me? If it's marriage, what's the cost of it? I know you are led by the Spirit of God, but have you sat down? What is your plan? Do your part. I, I heard uh, um, Brother Higgins say this. What's Brother Higgins now? Or oh, oh, He said, you do the possible, let God do the impossible. You do the possible. I wrote it here. Use your eyes. Use your mind. Use your legs. Run. They are all part of God's leading. Use your legs. Use your eyes. If you want to pray, for example, for a long time, right? You want to have a vigil. You want to have a vigil. And then you, you burnt all your energy before the vigil. And you're asking why you slept. I know you had the desire in your spirit man. But your body is not your spirit man. Your body needs to have rested a little bit. Then you now have the vigil. Like years ago, I said, no Lord, tonight I'm going to pray. Oh, oh. So I was trying to pray, but I had what movie with the desire to pray? Lord, today, oh, there's an everlasting hell. Oh, oh, today, today is the day. Oh, I'm going to pray to the next day. So I began to pray. So as I stepped into the first realm of prayer, and I said, go, 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 go. <laughs> and I was thinking, the video, and I said, Lord, my Lord. <laughs> so, I didn't plan. I didn't plan. Success is not an accident. Productivity and increase in life and ministry is an accident. You have the leading of the spirit through the supernatural and God's leading through the natural. God uses common sense to lead you. Use your common sense. You don't have a family. Plan the family. Don't have kids as it goes. I sat a couple down one day, years ago. I said, didn't you plan for the children? He said, shower, dash your Lord, Rudy. <laughs> are, are we not going to stop the, the, the power of God? I said, I can see the power of God. He said, ah, he goes, ah, 
that we just think that if it's not God's will, the children will not come. I said, oh God. Joining the man was, I think, uh, was working for someone close to the street. I said, uh, your car, you get a break? He <laughs> said, you get a break. I shouldn't have a break. So I go, ooh! Oru! Heavenly race, you know, go tie out. <laughs> Nonsense. How can you say that? I was a cultural coach according to your side. I said, no! Sometimes your side is a problem according to your material. Amen. Led by the Spirit with your common sense. In ministry, plan. In ministry, when you are prayed, you plan. In marriage, when you are play, prayed, you've heard the word, you've heard the teaching, you've read walking in law, to plan. Sit down and plan. Don't jump on the plane and leave the country. Plan. If you sit down and plan and look at the cause, sometimes you change the plan. Because it doesn't make sense. Don't just embark on something without planning. You will waste time, resources, energy. You will destroy relationships when you fail to combine the natural and the supernatural. When it comes to, I showed you, I showed you that in the teaching on, before you say I do. When it comes to marriage and relationships, you, there are things you will learn by observation, not by prayer. There are things you know because you are walking in the spirit. There are things you know because you are walking with common sense. It's not either or. It's these and that. Not these or that. Are we here? Are we here? So use your sanctified common sense. Mind is used for the Lord. Separate it to the Lord. You glorify Him, but use your mind either way. Someone told me this at closer. He said he really had a very deep problem, a sexual one. And he said he found out that all he had to do was to cut down his movies, his top movies for about 15 years. He said, ah, that's just common sense. That doesn't require a revelation. You know exactly what it is. We are all a product of influence. So you should know where the influence is coming from. And as believers, we use our common sense. Sanctified ones. Learn to plan. Did you hear that? Learn to plan. I like to ask you, what's your plan? And I've had people not say anything reasonable. Intending couples to marry, people that want to travel. They take lifelong decisions stupidly. I said, This is, even if you are led by God to do this, you don't look like someone that knows what he's doing. Praise the Lord. I said, Praise the Lord. I had a couple like that I had to cancel. They said, well, they're led by God to give their altar ministry. I said, fine. He said, let me share you something very quickly. I said, one of you should do a regular job. He said, sir, I said, huh? It's to save your marriage. 
glad and I told her. She do a regular job. As you, you are an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur's life is different. It's like Moses in Egypt. <laughs> you don't know how many plagues you will need before there's an exodus. So, so entrepreneur is different. Forget all those uh, I tell you, desire is a proof of pursuit. But someone is always I can never have loss in that business. I say it's not possible. Every accountant your accountant will put profit and loss. Say say no. What are you talking about? I was a younger Christian then. Said no, that we trusted God too much. That we'll build houses, we'll have houses. I will not have doors. I don't know what we're thinking. So my friend said, "Ah, ah. what kind of reasoning is that? You want to build a house with no gates, no? He said, it will be small, small tips. The one that will just enter and take your gallery, take your yam. Simple things that you know you can just. He said, even the angel just said, take what you like. And this one is the nicer. <laughs> you know." That's not commitment to the gospel. Neither is it faith. It's foolishness. You are believing God for your eyes. Like me and Brother said two days ago. Don't start with the car. You, you are using a drop, you say, I believe God. Even if you are going to drive, use just your compound. Make sure nobody's around. Don't go on the express. I say, God is my sight. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh. Hope you are learning something. So we plan. We pray, right? We pray. We plan. We pray. We think. So we're led by God's word. We think. We use our sanctified. Come on, so bless this evening. Sanctify.